the best golf players are not the ones who necessarily can hit the best shot every time. What they can do is avoid those large mistakes throughout every round and give them consistency over time. And so when it comes to investing, think of it that way. The small, consistent things over time, that's what's gonna actually give you the results that you're looking for. Welcome to Retirement Answers, a podcast built to answer your most pressing retirement questions. If you're someone who's either thinking about retirement or already in retirement, well, you're in the right place. Hey there, my name is Jacob Duke, and each week I'll be walking through different tips and strategies to help you succeed in retirement. So let's go ahead and get started with today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Retirement Answers. I am glad that you're here and uh, it is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So I wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great time with family and friends or however you celebrate. Uh, hopefully you eat a lot of food and have a good nap there on Thanksgiving Day. But just wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving really quickly. And uh, also wanted to highlight our listener review this week. It comes from Z3000. And uh, he or she says that this is an amazing podcast. It's really a must listen. Uh, they give the show five stars and they say, this podcast is great. Great episodes every time. Jacob has answered so many questions of mine. Some podcasts are challenging to keep up with. You might need to listen more than once. No ads on this one and so many concepts covered and pitfalls pointed out. So thank you so much for that review and that rating. Um, if you're someone who finds the show valuable and maybe you're a, a frequent listener or maybe you're a new listener, well, welcome to the show. Um, if you find this episode valuable or the show valuable in general, I'd love it if you can give a rating and review as well. That helps other people find the show. And then also you will probably be featured here uh, in one of these episodes. So thank you Z3000 for that review. Now, in my time as a retirement planner, I've seen my fair share of mistakes when it comes to investing. And to be honest with you, I've made these same mistakes too, whether it be trying to time the market or, or pick the right stock or, or guess when to go to cash or when to get all in. And the reality is it's just human nature. We think that we can do better than what the market's going to give us. And so we want to try to do that, but typically it's just not going to work out in our favor. And what's interesting about investing is that doing the right thing is important, yes, but it's equally as important to not do the wrong thing. The biggest key to investing is avoiding those big mistakes. And I like to kind of liken this to a professional golfer, right? We can all go out there and make a birdie, maybe once on a round, but professional golfers, they go out there and they make a few birdies per round, or if not more, they make a bunch of birdies per round. But the key is, is they're not making triple bogeys on every hole like I am, right? So they're avoiding the big mistakes. Even if they're making a bunch of pars, they're still doing well. And so I can go out there, I can make a par or two, or maybe make a birdie every now and then. But if I make a bunch of double bogeys or triple bogeys, it offsets all the good things I've done because their mistakes are so big. So I like to think of it that way. The best golf players are not the ones who necessarily can hit the best shot every time or score the lowest round every single time. What they can do is avoid those large mistakes throughout every round and give them consistency over time. And so when it comes to investing, think of it that way. It's not so much about hitting the home run in terms of the stock you're trying to pick or the perfect time to get in the market or out of the market. In fact, maybe it's just building the small, consistent things over time. That's what's going to actually give you the results that you're looking for. So the biggest key to investing is avoiding the large mistakes. So today we're going to be walking through the five or six investing mistakes that I think you should look out for and avoid in retirement. And then I'm going to share how you can avoid those mistakes. So with that said, the first mistake I often see with people that are investing in retirement is they're trying to time the market. And if you listen to anything I've ever put out, you've heard me talk about this before, but just kind of to give you some background really quickly on what timing the market is, 
It's basically whenever you're trying to say, hey, I'm going to buy into a particular stock or a fund or just the market in general at this time because I think the market is going to go up from this point. Or you could be trying to sell a position after it's gone up a lot because you think it's going to come down at some point. So you're trying to buy at the lowest point and sell at the highest point, which in theory makes sense, right? That's what we would all want to do. But the hard part is we get we really don't know when that's going to be or how that's going to happen or how it's going to work. And the biggest problem with trying to time the market is that you have to be right twice. You have to buy at the right time on the front end and you have to sell at the right time on the back end. So your odds are going down or diminishing quite quickly because you have to guess correctly twice. So just as a little context here, the S&P 500 is the largest 500 stocks in the US that makes up that index. And since 1960 until 2023, this year, the average annual return of the S&P 500 has been 10.1%. And maybe what's even more interesting is that over that time period, 77% of the years, the S&P 500 actually ended with a positive gain. So only 23% of the time did the actual market end with a negative year. Now, those negative years may have been large, meaning it actually pulled the average back down. But at the end of every single year, you are likely to be positive over 75% of the time. Now, let's assume that we could go back in time and invest $1,000 at some point in the past. In fact, let's say we could go back to 1960 and we could invest $1,000 in the S&P 500. So what do you think that would be worth today after a 10.1% annualized return over that time period? Well, today, that $1,000 that you invested in 1960, that would be worth $433,000 right now in 2023. So over the time period, yes, you're only getting 10% every single year, but that starts to compound. And in fact, what you'll find in terms of dollar returns in one year, those are going to be happening in the later stages closer to right now today. They're not going to happen in the front end whenever you only have $1,000 invested in 1960. They're going to happen in the back end when you've got $200,000, $300,000, $400,000 that you've accumulated because 10% or, or whatever the return is that particular year is going to make a larger dollar amount gain because you have a larger dollar amount invested. So compounding is not linear. It takes place over time. And typically you're going to find that those larger returns in terms of dollars are going to happen in the later years of your investment period. So what happens if we miss the best day or the best five days or the best 10 days throughout that period? So we're going to look at just kind of an example here. We're going to change the years just a little bit, but let's say that we had $10,000 as the original investment. And we're going to say that that was invested in the S&P 500. And the beginning year was 1980. And we go all the way from 1980 until the end of 2022. So $10,000 beginning in 1980. If we invested every single day for that whole 42 year period, at the end of 2022, you would have $1,082,000 and some change. So that's if you're invested every single day over that full 42-year period. Now, what happens if you missed the best five days over that 42-year period? Well, you would go from over a million dollars accumulated to $671,000. So that's a difference of over $400,000 that you've given up simply because you missed the five best days. Now, let's take this even further. What happens if you miss the best 10 days throughout that period? Well, you go from 671,000 after the you miss the best five down to 483,000. Now, if you miss the best 30 days, it goes down to 173,000. If you miss the best 50 days, it goes all the way down to 76,000. So you can see that if you miss the best days over any investment period, 
your returns are going to suffer greatly, right? Because if we invested $10,000 in the S&P 500, 1980 until the end of 2022, we'd have over a million dollars accumulated. But if we miss the best 50 days, we'd only have $76,000. So what this is hopefully describing to you is the importance of staying invested and not trying to time the market by getting in or getting out at what you think are the opportune times. Because we all have the ideas or we all have hunches, we all have reasons to believe that the market will do better or will do worse. But if we miss out on the best days and we guess wrong, that's whenever we start to uh, eat into the returns that could be possible for our accounts. And what's even maybe more interesting about this is that the best days really don't happen when we think they will. They happen at the bottom. If you go back and think about like COVID 2020 or the, the financial crisis of 2008, the best days happened after the worst days. I remember in COVID back in 2020, you know, there for about a month, it was like minus 10% day, minus 10% day, minus 10% day, one day after another. And it was really hard to kind of sit through that. But on the back end of it, that's whenever you saw that recovery kind of shoot straight up into the right. And if you had gotten out anywhere along the way, you missed out on that recovery, which means you're missing out on those best days of that investment time period. So that's whenever, if you're not invested, you're not going to have the potential returns or the potential account balance that you could have had if you had just stayed invested along the way. So that's why timing the market is such a risk. We, we naturally want to make investment decisions with our emotions. I'll wait until things settle down to get back in, or I'm going to get out of the market because things are just heading south. These are our emotions and biases talking to us, and that is a really bad way to invest. So we all know what to do, but I found that it's very few of us who actually do what we should be doing. So that's mistake number one, is trying to time the market or get in or out based on what we think is or isn't happening around us. The second mistake that I commonly see in terms of people talking about their investments is that they're not really understanding averages correctly. So like, for example, the S&P 500, back to that, it's averaged around 10% a year since 1926. But what's really interesting is that it's never actually returned 10%. In fact, from 1926 until 2018, only six times did the market fall within 8 or 12%. So that 4% difference right there, only six times over that long period of time since 1926 did the market return fall between 8 and 12%. So what you can see is that the market is not consistent. It's not going to give you a 10% every single year. The market's not linear. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the best year over that, that time period from 1926 until 2018, the market was up 54%. And the worst year, it was down 43%. So whenever we're thinking about this, understanding averages correctly and, and saying that, that your returns are lumpy. Like they're going to happen kind of out of order or out of whack. It's never going to go the way you think it's going to go. You're going to have an up 30% year and a down 15% year, and you're never really going to get a 10% year. Like that's just not how it has worked. And in fact, like I mentioned earlier, there's never been exactly a 10% return, even though the average has been 10%. So the first issue we kind of have to deal with whenever we're thinking about averages and understanding them correctly is we've got to reshape our mindset around investment returns in general. Averages are not linear. Your returns are going to be lumpy. They're all going to happen at once, and they're going to have a, a big drawdown. You're going to all going to happen at once again. And you're going to have a, a big drawdown. There's going to be periods of, of maybe flat line where nothing's really happening. But what you're going to get over time by staying invested back to point number one is you're going to get that average, what you're really looking for. So the key here is, is once you know that you will have years of really high and really low returns, just understanding that will help you stay put during those more volatile times. 
And the second issue is really related to retirees and its sequence of return risk. And as you get to retirement, you're going to figure out this is a real issue that we have to plan for and kind of protect ourselves from. Because as I've already mentioned, returns are lumpy. They're going to happen all at once good, or they're going to have all at once bad. So retirees need a thoughtful income and investment plan to combat that sequence of return risk that we so often refer to. So just for an example here, you could be up over a thousand percent over the 30 years of your retirement. But the first three years of your retirement period, they could be down 40%. And so you've got to have a plan that meets your income needs during those really bad years on the front end. And in fact, those three years minus 40% overall could send your retirement plan down the drain and could send you back to work, right? If you don't plan for it correctly or have the plan in place and kind of understand, hey, this is possible, then that's whenever the sequence of return risk will catch up with you. So that's the second issue, kind of misunderstanding averages. Just know that sequence of return risk for you as a retiree is a real issue and you have to have an income and an investment plan to combat it. All right, the third investing mistake I commonly see is that people enjoy chasing returns, whether that be trying to buy the best stock that you've heard about lately or buy a CD because it's giving you a better interest rate than it ever has. Whatever the case may be, we like to get returns, but the problem is we always do it a little bit too late. So just for an example, large stocks like Tesla or Amazon or Google, they got big because they had really great performance in the early years and it continued over time. Now, once they're big, they typically have stopped outperforming the market historically. Like Amazon, Apple, uh, Google, they typically do not outperform the market once they get to that point. Now that's just an average, there's always outliers. But in general, once they're a large company, they're probably not gonna continue beating the market itself. Now there are hot funds like mutual funds or ETFs that, that come out every now and then and they become the fad and kind of the story that you see in the headlines. And I've actually got a real life story for you about this. It's about the, the ARK Innovation ETF. I don't know if you heard about this back in you know 2020 during COVID uh, with Kathy Wood. She's the manager of that particular fund and kind of has a, an array of ARK funds that she manages. But the, the ticker for it is ARKK. And uh, after COVID, this was a really tech heavy uh, investment portfolio or investment fund. So it's an actively managed fund that's trying to pick the best stocks and put those stocks in that fund so they can get the best return. Now, what happened here is it went up threefold in the year 2020. And so uh, the story I've got for you is, is a particular client of mine came to me and said, hey, Jacob, I want to buy the ARK Innovation ETF. And so this is what we're talking about, right? And so they wanted to buy it after it had run up and multiplied by two or three times. And I'm like, man, I don't know if that would be the best decision because I feel like we'd be chasing returns and I don't know how far that is going to run. And so what happened is I was like, look, I really don't have a conviction to purchase this for you. I don't know if I can do that for you because I don't believe in it. And I don't tell you this story to, to brag or say, hey, I was right. I tell you this story to kind of prove the point that this is real life for many people. Well, what ended up happening is we parted ways as friends and we're like, hey, we just maybe are not a good fit for each other because of how I invest versus how he wanted to invest and which is totally fine. But I, he wanted to buy this particular fund at the highest point out there. And in fact, it was early on January 2021 when the market was at its almost highest point for this particular ETF. And I never heard from him again, but I really hope he didn't go end up purchasing the the ETF because it went from around $150 a share in 2021 during that early part of the year. And now it's worth about $40. So it got cut back down to its original investment price before COVID happened. 
And this is where people make their biggest mistakes because they're writing stocks or funds back down after they've had a really good run up. So if you're buying a company after it's gone up, you're likely too late. And some of the reasons that we actually run into this issue is because we hear our friends or our family or somebody talking about this really cool stock that they bought and it's done really, really well. And then we go look it up and we're like, man, it has done well. And then we go buy it because it has done well, right? But then we end up with this scenario that I just mentioned of they actually got to realize the gains that have happened. But now you're buying it a year, six months later after it's already had the run up. And so you're going to ride that wave back down. So they still have gains on the table because they've started at a lower point, but now you're dealing only with losses. So that's the third mistake. Avoid chasing returns, whether you're buying a stock or trying to get a particular yield on a CD or a money market or some sort of fixed income asset. Those types of things are temporary. So zoom out, use your investment approach that you've established and believe in instead of trying to chase or pursue something that looks like it's doing really well and you don't want to miss out anymore. So that's number three, avoid chasing returns. The fourth mistake I wanted to mention here is that we often are too narrowly focused on recent performance. We only care about really what's happening this year, whether it be good or bad, right? We don't really think about what happened three years ago necessarily. We really only care about what's happening right now today. And when things are going poorly, we, we obviously focus on it even more. Uh, but for an example, over the last 95 years, when the market is down 20%, which is what we would call a bear market, one year after that bear market, began, the market was actually up 18.6%. And then three years after that 20% decline, the cumulative return is over 35%. And then five years after that 20% decline, the market is back up 72% cumulative returns. And it's really interesting because when the market's down 20%, that's when we least want to invest. But this is maybe the best time to invest because you're buying cheaper investments at a better price. So what's happening here is it's this dichotomy of your emotions versus logic, right? We're, we're, we all know that we should buy low and sell high, right? If we're trying to time the market. But whenever the market's actually down 20% or actually down 40%, that's the last thing we ever want to do is go buy into something that's gone down so much, right? Because we're like, man, it can only keep getting worse from here. But this is actually the best time for you to invest and buy more into the market. Because remember the point I mentioned earlier about how the best returns are actually gonna be right after all the bad things happen. So you have really bad returns, but then the best years or best months are right after those bad years. And so just kind of to prove this point even further of not being too narrowly focused on the recent performance, if we zoom out and look at market returns in the US since 1926, 56% of the time, the market is positive on a daily basis. So every single day, over half the time, you, you're going to have a chance of having a positive return. Now, on a monthly basis since 1926, 63% of the time, you've had a positive return. And to keep going farther on a yearly basis, you would be positive 75% of the time. On a five-year basis, 88% of the time, you'd be positive. 10-year basis, 95. And then a 20-year basis, in each rolling 20 years since 1926, you would be positive 100% of the time. So right there, that alone, that statistic, just looking at historical averages and historical numbers, we can see that if we just zoom out a little bit, our percentage chance of having a positive return over our investment period goes up every single year. And in fact, based on history, we can see that after 20 years, you're going to be a positive 100% of the time. And that's a rolling 20-year period since 1926. So every 20-year period since then, we've been positive in the U.S. stock market 100% of the time. 
So hopefully this just proves to you that maybe we need to zoom out a little bit, stop focusing on right now, today, this month, this year, even last year, and say that we know that over time markets will recover, markets will perform well, and we will get the averages we're looking for. We just have to stay invested and allow enough time to go by. So that's the fourth mistake. We're often too narrowly focused on recent performance. Now, the fifth mistake that I often see when people are investing, especially for retirees, is they get too conservative whenever they get to retirement. Now, there's two things that I want to point out here that, that, that actually causes this to be a risk. The first one is longevity risk. What happens if you're healthy and you continue to live longer than you ever expected? Let's say you reach age 100 or 95, right? You've got to have money to live and, and provide for yourself or even your spouse or your family to that point right? So we can't be necessarily too conservative because we've got to take a little bit of risk to have our money last long enough. And the second risk that comes into play here is going to be inflation risk. Now, we don't know what inflation rates will or won't be in the future. All we can look back is at historical numbers. And on average, we're going to have around a three, three and a half, four percent inflation rate. But obviously, there's going to be periods of really high inflation and periods of really low inflation. It's back to the sequence of return risk. The same thing may apply to inflation. And right now in 2023, over the last couple of years, we've had higher inflation numbers than we've had over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Now, will that continue? Who knows? It may or may not. But there is a risk that we have to pay attention to and account for. So how do we overcome these risks? Well, just kind of back up a little bit. Whenever we get to retirement, we think that we're at the end. Like we think that we've got all of our money, we've saved it, we've accumulated it, we've done everything we can to build up this nest egg, and we've got to protect it, right? So we want to be conservative. We've got to have cash and bonds and CDs and treasuries and make sure that we're getting interest, but we're not having the volatility because we all assume that volatility is risk. But what if I told you that whenever we factor in longevity risk and inflation risk, what happens whenever we don't have any money at the end because we were too conservative on the front end? So that's the risk that we've got to overcome. We've got to say, look, I've got to have each dollar in my portfolio assigned and has a purpose. So the way I like to do this, if you listen to me for any period of time, you know that I like to build out a three bucket kind of income or investment approach to make sure that we're covering the short, mid and long-term needs throughout your retirement plan. So what does that look like? Well, really quickly, I like to have two to three years of, of living expenses in cash. That way it's readily available and we can access it at any point. So that's our liquidity. Now, we want to have three to five years of living expenses in bonds, treasuries, or CDs, those more fixed income type assets. Yes, there might be some volatility with them, but we're still going to be getting a higher interest rate than maybe we would be getting on cash. And the third bucket would be our long-term bucket, which is our, our stock bucket. So that's money that we would need five years and beyond. We want to make sure that we've got that money invested so that it can grow at a larger or higher rate than our fixed income and our cash investments. And that's the particular bucket that I'm talking about here. We want to make sure that we got money invested in the equities or the stock market so that we can overcome the longevity and inflation risk that plagues a lot of retirees later on in their life. So how do we do that? Well, I don't necessarily anchor to a 60-40 portfolio. Maybe that will or will not be the best portfolio for you, but I don't like to start there. I like to say, what are our income needs? How much money are we going to have to be taking out of our portfolio? And then from that point, can we back into this bucket strategy where we have a short, mid, and long-term bucket where each dollar in those buckets has a purpose and we know what that purpose is. So whenever our third bucket, the stock bucket, is actually going down in value because the market's down 25%, we know that we don't have to use or touch that money for at least five years because we got these other two buckets that are going to be able to provide income for us. So that's the three bucket strategy and how I like to overcome these different longevity or inflation risks that retirees have to think about. So that's the fifth mistake. 
I see many retirees getting too conservative too quickly in retirement and not thinking about their entire rest of their life or their entire income plan whenever they're going to need money in the future. So those are the five, uh, I guess, mistakes that I see from an investment standpoint with retirees. Um, but I've got a bonus one here for you. And I've talked about this before, and it really kind of ties into asset location, but it's tax inefficient investing. That's the sixth one I'll throw at you today. So what do I mean by that? Well, it just means that we're holding the wrong type of holdings, whether it be stocks, bonds, or cash, in the wrong account types. So we want to align the particular holding or asset class based on how that income or capital gain will be taxed with the appropriate account type to make sure they match together. So an example of this being done incorrectly, being tax inefficient, this would be that someone has all stocks in their traditional IRA, they've got all bonds in their Roth IRA, and they've got all CDs in their brokerage accounts. Now, why is that bad? Well, number one is because stocks are going to be able to produce a, a long-term capital gain based on the dividends they're producing. And then anytime you sell a stock that has gone up in value after holding it for at least 365 days, you now get the benefit of a long-term capital gain rate. So that's obviously cheaper than a normal income rate, but it doesn't matter because anytime you've got stocks in a traditional IRA, it doesn't matter what happens inside of the account. Anytime you take money out of a traditional IRA, it's going to be taxed as normal income. So another way of saying this is if we had our stocks invested in a brokerage account, let's say, we could realize the gains at a 15% long-term capital gain rate as opposed to a 22 or 24% normal income rate. So that's a difference of 7 or 9% simply because we invested the stocks in the wrong account. Now, why would we not want to have bonds in a Roth IRA? Well, a Roth IRA is a tax-free account, meaning the, the assets grow tax-free inside of it. That means we would want to have the, the growthiest, if that's a word. We want to have the, the growthiest types of assets in that account so that it can realize and, and use that tax benefit to our advantage, right? So bonds are typically not going to grow at a higher rate than stocks. Therefore, we would want to own the stocks in that Roth IRA. And back to a brokerage account, we don't want to have income producing assets, if at all possible. We don't want to have those in that brokerage account because every time interest or dividends come off of a bond, a CD, or a treasury, they're going to be taxed as normal income. There's no way for those to get long-term capital gain rates because of the asset class that it is. So that's where, again, we want to hold the stock. So back to our example of someone doing this incorrectly, I'd want to have all my bonds or fixed income type assets in that traditional IRA or any tax deferred account like a 401k for that matter. And we want to have all of our stocks when possible in the Roth IRAs and the brokerage accounts. Now, there's no way to do this perfectly. Uh, there's no way to actually match this up all exactly right. But whenever we can, we want to make sure we're thoughtful about this and make sure that we do it the right way. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to be 50-50 in all my accounts because that's my portfolio allocation. Well, that's the lazy way of doing it, right? Maybe we end up needing to be 100% stock in one account and 100% bond in another account. But at the end of the day, your total overall allocation across all of your account types is going to be 50-50 as opposed to just 50-50 in every single one. So in general, that's just bad tax planning, and you're going to end up paying more tax every single year than you have to. And in fact, you're probably going to pay more tax in the future as well. So be conscious of the tax drag potentially on your portfolio whenever you're investing and pay attention to asset location whenever you're building out your investment plan. So those are the, the five or the six uh, different investment mistakes I commonly see with retirees. Now, here's some really quick steps or tips that you can take to help avoid these mistakes. So the first one is just take a deep breath, go for a walk, sleep on it for 72 hours, like the 72 hour rule, just let things lay. Don't make any decisions immediately because typically the bad decisions we make from an investment standpoint are often whenever we're in the heat of the moment, whenever our emotions are running high. 
And so the first step is take a deep breath, go for a walk, go do something fun that you enjoy, go be with someone you love, uh, and stop thinking about this stuff. This stuff will drive you crazy if you're constantly looking at it and worried about it. So that's step number one is just take a breath, go for a walk. Now, the second step, remember, is to zoom out. Stop focusing only on right now today or only this year and say, over the last 10 years, how's my portfolio done? Now, over the next 10 years, what do I expect my portfolio to do? Stop thinking about just this six-month period or just this 12-month period and say, I need to zoom out and remember my principles that I'm investing by, and that will help me avoid some of these bad decisions. This third step would be to revisit your plan. You know, what plan do you have in place? And if you don't have a plan in place, now is the time to build one. Now is the time to actually put that in motion and be thoughtful about how you're investing. But if you have that plan in place, revisit it. What does it say? Does it say, hey, we're not doing anything until the market's down 50%. And even then, what is there to do? So sometimes the best action is inaction when it comes to making wise investment decisions. And the fourth step would be to call your advisor. They're there for a reason. They're there to help you make the right decisions throughout the rest of your life to make sure you've got money to live and enjoy your life and help those around you. And so that's what they're for. That's what I'm for to my clients. And if I can help ease your concerns or ease some of the, the anxiety that comes with investing, that's ultimately my goal. So call the people um, that you have in place. And if you don't have anybody in place, maybe this is an opportunity to think about, hey, should I hire somebody? Should I have somebody that's a third party, that's an objective opinion that will not be as emotional about my money as I am? And so I don't know how to, to quantify or value that and put a dollar amount to it, but I think it's worth a lot. And if you ask someone who has a really good financial advisor, most of the time they're probably going to say, yes, they're completely worth having. And I love not having to worry about my money all the time. So if that's something you want to evaluate or check out, feel free to reach out to me. I've got a link down below. You can schedule a quick call and just learn more about how I help my clients and what I do to serve them. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Retirement Answers. I hope this episode was helpful for you. If it was, once again, leave that rating and review. That helps more people find the show. And then also send me an email, ask questions. I would love to interact with you and hear from you. So thanks so much. Once again, my name is Jacob Duke, and uh, we will see you right back here next week. Hey, it's Jacob again, and I wanted to extend a quick offer to you. If you have a question and you would like to have it answered here on the show, please email me at jacob at retirementanswers.net. And I'd love to answer that question for you right here on the show. Also, I wanted to remind you that nothing discussed in today's episode is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Retirement Answers is for educational purposes only. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I look forward to talking with you again next week.